It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Friday, November 6th, 2020. On this day in 1967, American musician Bobby Beausoleil celebrated his 20th birthday. At the time, he was playing alongside the likes of the Grateful Dead. But just two years later, he'd be charged with the murder of fellow artist Gary Hinman. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the crimes of murderer Bobby Beausoleil. Many versions of this story have popped up over the years, though we'll stick with the most plausible version of events. Now, let's go back to the morning of November 6, 1967. Bobby awoke to the sound of a bass drum. As he took a groggy look around the room, he realized the sound was coming from his own head, throbbing from the party the night before. He closed his eyes again and threw the blanket over his head. Another day in the life of a rock star. Since he'd formed the band Orchestra the year before, his life had been a loud, colorful blur, filled with screaming crowds, adoring fans, and every drug available. The band's success made it feel like every day was his birthday, though he supposed today was pretty special. Turning 20 deserved some kind of recognition. It was hard to believe that just two years ago, he was a newcomer to the San Francisco music scene. He was determined to be noticed, and soon enough, he'd earned the nickname Cupid. Now everyone knew him by the distinctive top hat he wore around town. In many ways, he was the king of hate Ashbury. But Bobby was a restless soul. Despite the success he'd found in San Francisco, he was already turning his gaze south toward Los Angeles. There, he figured his music career would really take off. In the months following his 20th birthday, like so many young artists before him, Bobby Beausoleil packed up his few belongings and left the band that gave him his start. Soon, he was couch surfing in LA. About a month later, he booked a gig playing at a roadhouse just outside town. It was a loud, grimy bar, but they'd promised him a few free beers for his troubles, so Bobby was happy to play. After his set, he met a singer named Charlie, who had gone up earlier in the night. Charlie liked Bobby's sound, and the two men got to talking. When Bobby mentioned he was couch surfing, Charlie invited him to stay with him on Spawn Ranch for a while. The way he pitched it, Charlie and his friend Tex were camping out with about 15 women, enjoying the bohemian lifestyle. 
Bobby thought that sounded all right. He had no idea the trouble he was walking into. The first few months were just like Charlie said, a vagabond existence fueled by LSD and casual sex. But as time wore on, things changed. Charlie grew irritable. He became obsessed with exacting revenge on a record producer who'd refused to sign him. One night, he got violent with one of the women in the group. Bobby didn't see it happen, but he heard about it. The mood around the ranch grew volatile, and soon, things would get much worse. When Bobby's 21st birthday came around, the promise of the previous year had begun to fade. His music career hadn't skyrocketed the way he'd hoped. If he was honest with himself, it was likely because he spent the majority of his time getting high at Spawn Ranch. In fact, drugs were taking up the majority of his time. He'd started buying them from a fellow musician named Gary Hinman, then selling them to his own clients for spare cash. By the summer of 1969, Bobby was a full-time drug dealer. In mid-July, he bought $1,000 worth of mescaline from Gary, then sold them to his usual clientele. But this time, there was a problem. A few of his customers came back to Bobby, complaining the tabs were bunk. They wanted their money back. Bobby was furious. He and a few friends sped down to Gary's home in Topanga Canyon to get their $1,000. At first, the conversation was cordial, but when Gary insisted he didn't have the money, Bobby snapped. He knew Gary had to be lying. He'd just given him the cash a few days ago. Things escalated. Suddenly, Gary was tied to a chair. Then Charlie showed up convinced Gary had upwards of $20,000 in the house. He started ranting about the money, pushing Bobby to hit Gary, to threaten him, to get what was owed him. His voice rang in Bobby's ears, mesmerizing him. Before anyone even really knew what had happened, Gary Hinman was dead. In a moment, Bobby's arrest shocks Los Angeles. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, back to the story. On November 6, 1967, musician Bobby Beausoleil turned 20 years old. Just a few months later, he moved to Los Angeles, where he eventually became involved with the infamous Manson family. On July 25, 1969, 
Bobby Beausoleil drove to the home of Gary Hinman, accompanied by two other members of the family, Mary Bruner and Susan Atkins. The three of them spent the next two days beating and torturing Hinman for a measly $1,000 that Gary genuinely did not have. Amidst the chaos, Charles Manson showed up and sliced Hinman's ear with a samurai sword to show Bobby, quote, how to be a man. Bobby never forgot it. It's possible that taunt is what ultimately led Bobby to kill Hinman on July 27, 1969. Manson always knew exactly what to say to get others to do his bidding. In the wake of Gary Hinman's murder, Manson grew worried that somehow the dots would be connected back to him and his followers. In order to avoid that, he tried to throw the police off his scent. He gathered his LSD-riddled acolytes and told them that a race war was coming, that the Beatles had spoken to him about it through their song, Helter Skelter. It was time for the black community to rise up and overtake the white man, and he, Charles Manson, was the one charged with lighting the fuse. Manson hoped that by committing murders similar to the Gary Hinman murder, and by leaving clues pointing to the Black Panthers, he could fool investigators into chasing a false lead. Sadly, we've all heard the story of what happened next. By mid-August 1969, Manson and his followers had claimed the lives of eight people, Sharon Tate, Abigail Folger, Stephen Parent, Jay Sebring, Wojtek Frykowski, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca, and Donald Shorty Shea. All this death was nothing more than a lame attempt to stay out of prison, and sadly, it would prove a waste. By late October, the entire Manson family had been rounded up, flushed out of their hiding hole in Death Valley. Bobby was charged with the murder of Gary Hinman and was left to rot in a jail cell, while police collected evidence to build their case. He heard that his friend Susan Atkins had been arrested too, but he wasn't sure what she'd been charged with. On the morning of his 22nd birthday, Bobby's case took a turn. Susan had confessed to the murder of Sharon Tate. She said, we wanted to do a crime that would shock the world, that the world would have to stand up and take notice. Soon, she'd give up all her compatriots and tell the world about the family's heinous crimes in vivid detail. Lying on his cot, thinking about what his life had come to, Bobby suddenly heard the sound of a bass drum. He realized it was the sound of his heart in his throat. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. 
It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Aaron Lan, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.